back to the Clemson podcast. Clemson remains 7-1 and one, and life is good. Thanks for tuning in everyone. I'm your host Nick joined tonight by special guest Quacking Tiger. QT, how you doing buddy? Doing good. How are you? Yeah man, doing pretty well. Um, it's been a uh, you know kind of a interesting bye week but happy to put Notre Dame behind us. Happy to face forward in this last little stretch and um, man put a beat down on these Seminoles. Uh, a beat down on the Seminoles is always uh, an invited uh, happening. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, they're, they're not the Seminoles you and I grew up with, but never hurts to go down to Tallahassee. And, um, you know, we can't take for granted that that's, that's a win. So while they're down, let's enjoy it. I mean, you know, we, we, we do take it for granted because, I mean, they came in to Death Valley and smashed us with Vic Beasley, right? I mean, so yeah, uh, I think we still have a few revenge rounds to go um, and many a uh, fumble ruski uh, <laughs> that needs to be avenged. So I'm, I'm happy to go down to Doak and uh, hopefully put on a, a hurting, especially without Marvin Wilson there in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's gonna get ugly um, and we'll definitely touch on kind of what the remaining games look like here, but I, I want to get your like broader outlook on Florida state from a program building standpoint. I mean, I know we're in year one of Norvell, but do you think, do you see them returning to glory or do you think it's going to be mediocrity for a while? The level of their recruiting now is just astounding. Like they have no one in the top 25 of the uh, top Florida recruits, the top 25 Florida recruits uh, in their current class. So um, it's gotten bad. It's gotten very bad. Um, and I don't see it returning with Mike Norvell in terms of recruiting, uh, like automatically. I think that he's a better coach, uh, than Willie Taggart and they're better positioned in terms of like coaching and building a program right now than they were last year. And they, they probably, uh, made the right move of, uh, firing Taggart when they did, because it was just going to be a bigger rebuild job, but it remains to be seen whether Norvell and that staff have the recruiting chops to really start to challenge for these players, especially as Florida gets better. They're not great at recruiting either. I mean, this is, it's a good uh, world recruiting world for Clemson right now in the state of Florida. So Clemson needs to make sure that they're capitalizing on, uh, on that. But um, yeah, I, I see Florida state's talent level descending I mean, they dropped, they, they have that last really good class and they still have some good players, Robinson, Kando, um, Asante Samuels. They have, they have some good players, uh, but none on the offensive line. Their defensive line after this year is super depleted and they haven't been able to put it together in the secondary. Nazaruddin is, is a good player, uh, but he's probably gone after the season too. 
So uh, they don't have the, the athletic talent at wide receiver. Uh, Terry was their best player who's gone now. Um, so, you know, the, the talent is, has now dipped, right? I mean, it's taken a, a nosedive, whereas before they just were poorly coached and they still had a lot of talent. Um, so it's going to take both coaching and a replenishing of, of the talent pool that is not coming in the 2021 class. So they're going to have to start with 2022, uh, really pushing it forward. And, um, you know, they're going to need some on the field results before that happens. Yeah. And it seems like even at the tail end of that Taggart era, they were in the running for some high, high caliber talent, the quarterback position, you know, Sam Howell sort of decommitted juked at the last second to go to North Carolina and Jeff Sims, ended up at Georgia Tech. So I think to see if you are a Florida State fan, maybe Norbell does bring some, you know, coaching chops or stability. But man, if the if the cupboards aren't going to be replenished with talent and they don't really have that, if, if they're not planning to do that with in-state recruiting, I don't really know what their path back to ACC Atlantic title contention, let alone conference, let alone playoff looks like. Yeah, and I don't see the skill position players there like they the I mean Florida has tons of talent, right? Just gushing with talent. I don't mm-hmm. see Florida State in the running right now for any major uh Florida State or uh Florida state of Florida talent. Miami's recruiting better, Florida's recruiting better, other, you know, out of state forces are, you know, jumping in and grabbing, plucking out the the, the best of the high caliber skill level players and they haven't been able to recruit a quarterback for five years I mean really um, they haven't had anyone that's been able to fill that position and I mean that's where it starts right skill position and the talent uh, and then you have to build your offensive line so I actually think that their offensive line this year is better than it's been in forever probably since the last year of Jimbo Fisher Um, right if not if not before that um, you know, they have some better, I mean, that's, that's the coaching, right? They have some better, uh, scheme, I, an identity. They're, they're actually following blocking schemes, zone schemes and things. And, but, uh, I, I don't see them recruiting the talent that's going to help them elevate to the next level middling ACC team for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, well, we started this show off with a deep dive into the Knowles. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, it's good. Um, why don't we pivot to Clemson and QT? We have a lot of ground to cover. I think we'd love to get your just we haven't seen your recap yet for the Notre Dame game come through. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're not going to chide you for sitting on that. I'm sure you're kind of also <laughs> going to bake in the forward looking assessment, but um, just kind of where we're at with this season. would love to just connect on that. And then, you know, we'd be remiss not to touch on the 2021 class signing days in basically a month from now, which is shocking. And, or at least that first signing day period. Um, and then, you know, 2022 class is coming up. There's a dead period. Definitely want to get your take on that. So um, maybe for starters, kind of, we talked a little bit about the Seminoles, but where are you coming out of the Notre Dame game and that, that first Clemson loss in the regular season in two seasons? So I've been trying to be uh, reserved, like not knee jerk reaction, um, I've been trying to process so that I don't put something out there that I might regret later. But um, if you want my like automatic, like punch me in the gut and I have to tell the truth, you know, that Notre Dame loss definitely hurt uh, badly. Um, 
So for the taking, right? Even though it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, especially because you go into overtime, which, you know, the game should not have gone to overtime. I mean, right. Like uh, the, the two minute drill with the offense having the ball and burning, like, I don't know, 14 seconds off the clock. That was just a disaster. Um, And we, you know, we all don't want to talk about it, but we've had a series of kind of every single game having a big coaching blunder that wasn't, it wasn't great. And normally we get away with it. Right. And all these kinds of, okay. Uh, I, you know, I do something stupid, but we have so much talent and so much good coaching that it kind of crosses it off. And usually we don't ever, I mean, Dabo has an incredible record in fourth quarter, like with the lead, not giving it up. And so, um, you know, when we allowed them to score and then DJ comes out in overtime and just throws a dart, a laser, to uh was who was the, the Cornell Powell. Ball? Oh, oh Cornell Powell action huh all right um yes Cornell Powell t- catches it and it's like oh this is, we did it again right we pulled it out um and we just didn't have enough uh you know uh depth actually I mean it really was depth um to to close it out um so on the one hand DJ played great there's a lot of great things going on we're spoiled as a Clemson fan base to have not lost in forever in the regular season. Right. I mean, it's just ridiculous how well we've done. Um, So I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like um, I'm overreacting, which is why I'm trying not to, but. um, And also the injury luck, which I think plays into what you said, like, you know, we're spoiled, but also um, not every team has had kind of Clemson's injury luck in terms of not missing key players that accumulates and it really did for this one, but. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I guess, you know, kind of big picture, there are places on the roster where, you know, things have got to improve, but we still have like loads and loads of talent. My question, though, is whether or not Notre Dame is really that good of a team. And I I hesitate to make this point just because it seems kind of like sour grapes, right? Yeah. Um, And and I'm not saying that Notre Dame is a bad team. Um, and they're the best in the ACC, uh, you know, the, the two of us are the top teams in the ACC. Well, I guess the question goes, did we see their best offensive performance? Did mm-hmm. we see, and I, you can maybe argue we did not see their best defensive performance, but yeah, how much more, how much of a, how much more ceiling do you really feel like they have above and beyond what we saw in that game where they took our second string defense to double overtime? Yeah, and I, I mean, I do think that they've improved as an offensive unit. Like the the uh, their wide receivers are playing better. Like they played better against Boston College um, this past week as well. Uh, they figured out number three in the slot is is pretty good uh, weapon for them. They have their young, inexperienced but talented tight end who was able to you know to burn some three on touchdowns. Key, yeah, yeah, key key third down, and then he was you know he's been. Uh, pretty prolific now as the season's gone on I'll probably just continue so I mean I I'm also not a believer in you know in book as being like some great quarterback but uh he was able to you know burn our spies all day long um mm-hmm. and we weren't able to contain him the way that we need to so I mean big picture we got some problems on offense obviously it's the offensive line right yeah. um and then on defense uh I, I think these past few games have shown we got some kinks in the armor that need to be straightened out. Um, I thought that the BC game plan was just really good. They came in, 
They didn't waste their time trying to run the ball. They threw it all over us um, from the get-go. Max protect, uh, and then you know being able to take shots down the field, and and they were able to connect on those. And that's really how you frustrate and beat a Brent Venables Brent Venables defense these days. I think. I think you go max max protect. You don't allow those linebacker blitzes and and stunts and things to mess you up, and you just attack through the air. I mean, it's what they did with Ohio State as well. Um, I saw a lot of similarities in how uh, Ohio State last year attacked us with, with how BC attacked us. But then you go into the Notre Dame game. So, so that's what they did at BC, right? So we exposed some of our flaws in the secondary. I think our safety play has been very up and down, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes and I think, sometimes it's not. And I think what I want to ask you, QT, is like with at a full, full strength defense, that mm-hmm. strategy may not have worked, you know, the Boston College's strategy, because despite max protect, I think Tyler Davis and Justin Foster can get home or even, you know, fully operational Xavier Thomas can typically get home or, or disrupt that. It, it's just kind of the personnel that was rolled out there. Um, it wasn't necessarily at the task. Now you mentioned the safety play. We weren't missing any safeties in that game at that point. So, um, and then that sort of reared its head a little bit against Notre Dame as well. So I think Tyler Davis is, uh, absolutely fundamental to the functioning of the defense um, as a whole. Like he demands a double team. He clogs lanes. You, you don't get those free rushing lanes that Notre Dame was, I mean, you know, second play from scrimmage and they're able to, you know, take one, one, yeah, one gap all the way through. I don't think that happens with, with Tyler Davis. And um, we've been banged up along the defensive line, right? Uh, Jordan Williams had a knee issue, uh, his knee, I don't think, was 100% against Notre Dame. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit improved. Um, you know, we got Niles Pinckney in there. He's doing doing all right. But uh, Brian Brzee hopefully gets back to 100%. But no real nose tackle that's anchoring uh, the way that Tyler Davis can. And, like, in the, the spring practice, right, leading up to – or fall uh, camp leading up to the season, uh, Tyler Davis was looking like an All-American. Like, if he stays healthy – the rest of the season, I think you'll see that level of play um, if the if the knee allows him to do that. He's he's gotten to that level. So yeah, I, absolutely begins with Tyler Davis there. Skowski also, you know, is a key piece with it being able to, you know, get everything set. I, I don't think that Jake Venables has done a bad job by any means. Um, he was just he's just kind of overmatched sometimes athletically uh, if you're using him as a spy, right? But he's not done bad. Like I don't think anybody's done like poorly it's just there have been minor uh technique issues alignment assignment just just little things that have uh that have added up to a larger you know problem also you know like the the corners couldn't stay healthy at bc or in notre dame right i mean we're Mm -hmm. rotating guys in and out so there i think continuity is also an issue for the defense yeah i would agree with that and also just the lack of a pass rush sort of then exposes a little bit of those things that don't quite fit in right and click, you know, later on, it just puts, puts a lot bigger onus on everyone else to play perfectly. And to date, you know, teams have been able to expose that in spots. Now it's not like Clemson has gotten, we've lost one of the games in double overtime. Like it's not like Clemson's right, defense exactly. has just been blown <laughs> out, ripped apart, like any of that and credit to the players for having that tenacity and really staying focused. And um, you mentioned a little bit, the depth in the Notre Dame game, like toward the end with the corners going out, uh, you know, this is why it's so important that Clemson does cycle in 70 plus players a game, 
70 to 80 guys a game, like in the early weeks to sort of start to prepare these guys. Now, that said, there were guys playing out there that I didn't, I didn't necessarily see earlier in the year against the Citadel and, you know, Virginia and Wake Forest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you hate to call out one single player, but uh, Thornton goes in at the end, right, and loses leverage on the route that led to the, you know, big shot over the top to number three that puts Notre Dame in position to be mm-hmm. able to score. That's because of, you know, uh, Turner gets injured. Xanders was injured. Um, we didn't play Phillips. I mean, we were, we, we are thin at the safety position. We knew that going into the season. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it reared its head. Um, we're deeper at corner actually. I mean, we have like six good corners, uh, mm-hmm. decent corners. Um, but safety just, you know, we didn't have, have the numbers. Yeah, I wanted to ask you to a name we haven't really talked about yet is Mike Jones Jr. And I saw a stat earlier that among defensive backs, he's top in the country in terms of coverage rating, and he's oh, essentially a linebacker. So um, in pass coverage, I mean, and um, I'm just curious, like, I think a lot has been said about Tyler Davis and the impact of Skalski being out. Um, you know, Mike Jones Jr., I don't want to necessarily put him on the level of the other two, but that is something I think he's also been dearly missed. Is that that PFF stat? Yeah, I think it is. I don't know where they got that. Like Mike Jones, <laughs> he's not even in in coverage that often. I mean, he you know he's made some nice plays at coverage. Like, but yeah. I, I I think like uh, Brent Venables would be like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, I mean, so I, I, he does add another element of uh, you know being able to to sink back into coverage and and he does some nice things there that Trenton Simpson probably isn't ready to do like Mike Jones Jr. probably makes that tackle yeah Yeah. on on the third and 15 but I mean I I say that but like Trenton Simpson's had some awesome games like he played really well uh in in some of his limited time in you know Notre Dame games first time really starting first time on the big stage I thought he played really well um and wasn't the problem right did he have a few missed assignments, a few things here and there? Yeah, but he also was pretty disruptive in, in his pass rush, pass rush especially. So um, I'm happy with uh, allowing Simpson to get some time on the field because I think that just bodes well for the future at that position. You have Jones and Simpson being able to do a few things. Um, Simpson maybe being able to rush the passer a little bit better. Um, that's really good. So, yeah, I mean, and the nice thing too is like Mike Jones Jr. had a hamstring issue probably is healed by now um even if they keep him out for the florida state game it's not like it's like a knee issue or something that will be lingering further on in his career like a hamstring should get healed eventually right hopefully yeah knock on wood yeah so that was from that interception return right yeah 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 mm-hmm. um cool well yeah i think you know the the, the underlying message here is the ceiling of the defense will be determined by health and health of its star players. I think, I mean, do you have any cause for concern for the ongoing, ongoing lingering health of the cornerbacks? Not really. I mean, uh, I don't think there's anything that's the other than like bumps and bruises and um, that's going to keep guys out. I mean, DK has uh, been battling all season, pretty much uh, a lingering knee issue. It seems, um, and, you know, Booth just has, has been in and out a little bit. Um, and I think we missed 
those guys being at their their best and hopefully this off week kind of help them to be there because I would like to see DK be the shutdown corner and Booth kind of step up a little bit more. Um, I think Jones has, has done good, but he isn't um, the caliber of corner right now that I think DK is uh, potentially uh, Booth is even, you know, I think he has the highest uh, potential first round ceiling of all of them. But let's go back and talk offensive line really fast, okay? Yeah. Before yeah, we sounds good. It on. Yeah. Like, I, I think we haven't really been talking enough about how the offense hasn't been able to run the ball, not just in these past two games, but the entire season, right? Like, we have not been able to run the ball in the A-gap, just line it up, knock your guy back, and, and you know, pound Get the five ball. yards. Yeah, and pound the ball down the throat of the of you know every single team that we've gone up against all year, and we've started from the very beginning having to get ETN out in space, um, and and ETN hasn't had any daylight increases. I mean, this was the Syracuse game. It was even in the Wake Forest game. It was not easy uh, for them to run in the A gap. The offensive line has been great at pass blocking great at pass, like above like make probably the best that i've seen a clemson offensive line in pass blocking so that's why it's been super frustrating to see you have the probably the best running back of Clem, in clemson history right and he he can't get a single day and then you just give him a tiny crease and he and he you know he's breaking tackles and all everything that etn does right but we've had he doesn't need scheme. much to work with yeah i mean we had to scheme around not being able to run the ball at regular a gap, you know, runs, uh, all season long. So that, and, I mean, that is something that has to be addressed and it, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse because we've been playing the same unit the entire season. They got worn down and, you know, it kind of came to a, a, a front there came to a head, sorry, at, in the Notre Dame game. I, I mean, that's my read of it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I guess do you other than the bye week and kind of having two two solid weeks off of rest, uh, what is the what's the solution here? What's the I mean, is is there anything schematic that can be set up or you know get them into a different I mean, do do you try different talent or rotate different guys in? Well, I mean, I think we've been spoiled on offense having Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, probably the two best offensive players in the country, arguably, right? Um, That's why we've been able to get out of third and long all season, right? Third and 10, ah, no big deal. Converting, converting, converting constantly. But why are we stuck in third down and long all season long? Because we can't consistently run the ball. So I think um, there isn't a good answer. There isn't a good solution. We brought in five guys this past year who are going to be great. It's probably our best offensive line that we've ever uh, recruiting wise that we've ever brought in, but they need time to develop. And of course they need time to develop. We have one senior on this roster right now uh, on the offensive line Um, and, and no real upperclassmen to help anchor or, you know, veteran guys to come in and and even give some reps to spell guys. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you, you got to do a youth movement um, and it, it, Hopefully you're blowing out some of these teams. I mean, Florida State, you're hope, hopefully able to, to play a whole bunch of guys. 
Pittsburgh's going to be, you know, one of those tough grinded out games. And then Virginia Tech is they're they're up and down, but sometimes they can be really good. So that's one yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about just because the hooker quarterback that sounded weird. The Hendon hooker as yeah. quarterback is, uh, you know, he can he can give the defense fits. Right. Uh, potentially uh, mobile quarterback. So you got to start bringing those guys along. I would get creative with Walker Parks. Um, I don't know if that means McFadden goes inside and Walker Parks is starting at right tackle um, and you, you move McFadden in. Um, I, I, I don't think Will Putnam is the problem though. And I think that he has a future as a starter on the Clemson offensive line. It's more just like guys get tired, guys get sloppy with assignments, guys, you know, not, sh- I, I haven't seen max effort like this whole, uh, really, uh, gritty, mean mentality. Like I don't see guys pushing the pocket. I don't see guys, um, second effort. Um, I saw it a little bit at the beginning of the year, but it's, it's not been there in the past three, four games. So, uh, I think, I think if you're a Clemson yeah. fan, I think the maybe two things, and this is like orange tinted glasses here, but you know, you get your starting quarterback back in the fold he had a harrowing experience. Does he come in really focused and elevate the energy of the offense after two, you know, ch- challenging weeks in a row. And then um, I guess the other point is sort of, does that rest help uh, help them to kind of rejuvenate a little bit and does Clemson tasting the, having the taste of its own blood from losing a game to Notre Dame sort of clarify and motivate the team in a way that mm-hmm. I think we all believed happened after the Pittsburgh loss back in 2016. Yeah, and the the only other thing I would add to that is, um, I think in the BC game and in the Notre Dame game, the one difference between DJ and Trevor, and let me preface this by saying, oh my goodness, how good was DJ Uyangalele? Mm. Let's say that three times. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, insane. Like we have not made a big enough deal about how talented and amazing that those two performances were. and stepping in come back the shoes to of Trevor near Lawrence. comebacks like yeah and and the defense lays an egg in the first half of both of those games I mean uh you do not get to uh you know use the offense to kind of dictate right you, you can't ease him in he's got to just start lighting it up and and boy does he ever light it up so I I want to say that first before I say this because I don't want anyone to think that DJ Uyangalele's performance wasn't just insane um, and anybody who didn't have him ranked as a five-star was just absolutely didn't know what they were looking at or talking about uh, last year or, or dropped him in the rankings. I still don't have any idea how that happened. Um, so DJ did maybe not do as many checks, right? To throw it out to the flat when he had numbers, when the box was too loaded to help loosen up things in the middle that Trevor probably does a little bit more. But I mean, I say that, but like we weren't able to run again on on Syracuse, right? Like we weren't able to run on, like I said before, like even Wake Forest, we were having trouble running on them. So, um, I, you know, I do think it's partly schematic, right? I mean, everybody is going to stop ETN. They've decided they're going to stop ETN. They don't think our wide receiver talent is as good, um, despite having Trevor Lawrence or DJ. Um, man, his his arm is amazing. I mean, those lasers. I was like let's just throw it down the field like 10 times, right? Like uh, a whole series. Yeah. Let's just throw bombs 50 yards. I was like, Cornell Powell I mean, would have gotten it. Hey, like, when we, when we took that knee, I was like, yeah, let's just 
take one shot down the field. DJ can make yeah. it. Uh, well, I was thinking anyway. that on the series after Book fumbled, not to bring this back into the Notre Dame game, but in the series after Jake stripped Ian Book, hmm. why not take some shots there? You know, instead yep. of that, that was Clemson attempting to run the ball and um, did not work out. And that's a moment where yeah. it's sort of a freebie, right? And yeah. the swing pass to the, and uh, we don't get out of bounds. Like, oh, gee. Or we, we fall out of bounds. Like, oh, boy. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, DJ, throw it up. We can do it. Um, so I, I do think that things will get better just because, uh, you know, we're going to face Florida State, who doesn't have uh, their best interior linemen, um, even though they got a decent defensive line still. So it should be mean something if we can run on them. Um, so it's a bit schematic. It's a bit, uh, just, I think sloppy technique, getting tired guys, getting, not being able to, to handle the rigor of the season. Um, and then we're, I, I think we're a little bit predictable too. I mean, it's kind of like, we, we haven't been very inventive with the run game, which we always say is kind of like, Oh, Tony Elliott's got to wait to, to play his cards. Right. But uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. We've um, lost the game already. So yeah, exactly. Like, kind of what are you waiting for? We didn't. Um, and I, I want to ask you, like, you know, looking ahead to what we hope is a rematch with Notre Dame and even beyond that, you know, I think Clemson fans rightly believe if this defense does get healthy, that Clemson would prevail in a rematch. You know, looking at the playoff field and the likely contenders for the CFP this year, is there really a defensive line out there that in that, that really bothers you or makes you think like, that's going to, that's going to be a real big issue if we face up against Alabama or Ohio state, um, or is it still a little bit early yet? Uh, well, so I think, you know, it's becoming pretty obvious that it's, if the season continues, if we actually have a season, golly, uh, that Ohio state and, um, and Alabama are going to be the, the two teams. And then, you know, it, it, depends on who wins the ACC championship game, right? They could let in two ACC teams, right? I mean, that would be amazingly weird. But um, the the problem is you want to be that one seed this year more than anything because you don't want to have to play one of Ohio State and then, you know, the next one, one of Ohio State or Alabama, both uh, in the playoffs. Back to back, yeah. Yeah, so that's that. I think that that could be rough. I mean, who are the other contenders? A Pac-12 team? Eh. Florida, right. eh, I don't know. Like they're going to have a loss. a through the back door, but it's, yeah. yeah, I think they don't control their fate. And I feel like, again, it's kind of like, who have you beaten? Who have you lost to? Um, yeah. I think you have yeah. a hard time putting in a one-loss SEC team over a one-loss, like even one-loss Notre Dame team, right? Who had beaten Clemson and then got, you know, beat in the championship yeah. game. Yeah, there's, I agree with that. Enough Notre Dame homerishness that I think that they get in. So yeah, okay, so yeah. uh, to your question, I didn't even really answer it. Alabama's defense this year is the worst it's been in forever. I mean, mm-hmm. it it it's not great. Uh, their D line is not great, um, and I don't see it improving at any time. Um, and they're susceptible to you know a quality pass uh, passing attack. I don't think their linebacker play is really that great either. Um, but their offense is stellar. Uh, so, uh, that, that'll be, that would be an interesting matchup. I'd rather have that in the championship game than going against Ohio state at this point. Uh, I still, you know, there's huge question marks cause we just haven't seen Ohio state enough. Um, they didn't look great in the 
uh, Penn State game in the second half of that. But Penn State was motivated, and then, you know, they've kind of imploded. Um, so I think Ohio State has the best talent, um, and they would be a challenge in terms of just, uh, you know, going one high safety and man coverage across the board and trying to shut down our wide receivers and then, you know, using their front seven, eight men in the box with man-to-man coverage plugging up ETN like this, they would do the same thing that they tried to do last year. Um, and we basically just used Trevor Lawrence as the X factor to be able to, um, to beat them. Right. Uh, and ETN in the passing game, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, um, so that, uh, you know, that's a tough matchup. Uh, yeah. And they have, they have, I, I hate to say this, but they probably have more talented wide receiver depth this year than, than we do. Um, let's see when yeah. Ladson and Nagata are both healthy and if they're able to reach that next level. But um, Ohio State yeah. has some legit talent. Yeah, it, it does seem like they are. I mean, they lost so much talent to the NFL from their, from their defense holistically and from that line. But it's also, I, I almost wonder, do they even need to stack the box, you know, against this O-line in the rushing mm-hmm. attack? Um, so, yeah, but it, it does seem, I guess, from, from the outside that there are not, like, neither of those two teams who are probably more, our most complete likely opponents, neither of them do have that imposing defensive line. It just gives you, gives you fear. And Yeah, I, I would nice agree is, with that. Yeah. yeah, Ohio State's offensive line is probably – a uh, more solid unit than than our line, maybe even more solid than Alabama's line right now. Even though that's a pretty good unit too. Um, but they're, I mean, I, I would agree with you. There's there's question marks on the defensive line just with all their their departures, um, and maybe they don't have enough of a season to really kind of you know progress as a unit. Um, but I, you know, I I think we need to see more from Ohio State before you can really. Well, hey, them. they got to get past Indiana first. That's true this weekend they, they have to get past you know being able to play a game or two uh <laughs> yeah. they have to i mean they have to have a schedule right like i, I well let's to bring put it this, this up too yeah well this is a hot take but you know yeah. everyone's talking about oregon not having enough games to make it ohio state could easily end up with the same number of games and right the big 10 is not exactly you know the, the best conference in the world at the moment well they they have some rule that you have to uh have played six games. I, I think I'm, I'm saying this right before being able to get into the championship. Big Ten championship. Yeah. So if they don't well, even get to that mark, then the Big Ten's going to have to change it for everyone. And then it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, totally. Okay. It, I mean, there's a little gamesmanship there. Like, if you're hell, if you're Indiana, do you mm-hmm. do you bail out of this game this weekend just to <laughs> put Ohio State up against the brink? Um, yeah. Where was uh, Clemson's ability to? bail out of a game with trevor lawrence on the app uh, i'm just kidding yeah don't like we that. thought we could win we thought we could win we should have won <laughs> <laughs> um well i mean we've we've kind of touched a little bit on some aspects of this team maybe just real quick on the receiver front um what are i mean give me your your expectation your odds that either of Latson or and gotta figure it out you know get at least to the point where and I hate to draw like specific player comparisons, but, you know, I think about the 2017 sugar bowl, like T Higgins goes down. We mm-hmm. sort of have Dion Kane. He's like the last, the last man standing. I mean, do you think, do you think we're going to be in that situation or do you think either of those guys figure it out? Do you see EJ Williams stepping it up or do they 
do they sort of ship things around with Powell? Well, let's first just begin with lauding as much praise on Cornell Powell as we can, so we can get him to his four-star status that he rightfully deserved from ESPN. Anyway, um, <laughs> some don't know that story. Me and Luke and Bills got into a Twitter flame war. And Tiff. Yeah, yeah. He, he called me out for being a, a hack because I said Cornell Powell was a four-star. Anyway, yeah. uh, while, while he was on the air, by the way, he just had his phone there. And was, anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not bitter still. Uh, That's cool. That's cool. I, 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 I mean, foot injuries are tricky. We don't know uh, what his health will look like. Ngata has just battled all season, right, not being able to get on the field. And then, I mean – I think he was actually healthy for the Notre Dame game, but then that first really awkward uh, tackle where he kind of twerked his body, but I was just like, oh, whoa, that did mm -hmm. not look good. Um, so let's see where, where Ngata is at in terms of health. I, I think Gladson has played pretty, pretty well this season. Um, you know, he's got a few drops that were easy touchdowns, but, you know, he was able to get way open down the field and just burn by everybody. So uh, if he's able to be healthy, he's, I mean, that's a plus, right? And, and he gives us a, an element of speed stretching the field that uh, the current crop of wide receivers may not exactly have. Uh, yeah. Cornell Powell's played great. He's elevated his game. He had to play a ton of snaps and was kind of worn down towards the end of the game. So it's like, you know, we need that depth to come along. Um, I, I am... I think EJ Williams has done much better than I thought he would entering into the season, just because, you know, he doesn't have the the off season of, you know, building his body and, and, you know, being able to withstand the rigors of everything, but he runs beautiful routes and maybe he's the best. He may be the best route runner on the team right now. Um, so I think he, he just continues to progress. Um, and we see more and more of EJ Williams. I mean, he's already played a ton. Um, and Amari Rogers has got to make sure that he's like dominant Amari Rogers mode, uh, cause we need that. Um, and I think his connection with Trevor Lawrence is, is key. Um, so, it, it, you know, we have the talent there at wide receiver. It, we have enough talent at wide receiver with Trevor Lawrence's quarterback that, um, uh, we can win a, a, a championship for sure. Uh, yeah. absolutely. So, that's all you can ask for. Um, I, you know, I do think that it would have been nice if we had recruited a few more wide receivers. The depth was a little bit uh, better there, but we are where we're at. Indeed. Yeah, I think hope for optimism with either of those two guys coming back, ideally both. And then, yeah, Trevor can make, you know, not make anybody look like a, you know, star WRU-esque receiver, but um, he can definitely mask over a little bit of shortcomings of talent or depth, to your point. Um, and then, you know, maybe you get the tight end involved a little bit more. <laughs> hey, Davis Allen's had a good year. He's had a good year. He certainly has. I think, um, you know, continue to do that, especially in the red zone. I'd like to see some more two-point conversion plays, like, dialed up in advance. We don't need to mm -hmm. burn two timeouts um, to try right. to run one, then have a false start, then miss a field goal. Um anymore let's not do that but yeah I think also just uh Braden Galloway seeing a little bit more of him I understand he was banged up a little as well so this bye week was much needed I think for a lot of a lot of health on the team but um yeah you know I think it is time for the offense you know let's let, let 
let's see a little bit more from the playbook as needed in these coming weeks so that we're not facing, you know, a second half one score lead, you know, against the likes of Pitt where things usually get weird or a tough environment up at Virginia Tech. Oh, you're so negative. So neg we're <laughs> talking about timeouts here. What? Oh, gee, no. Um, yeah, I've been accused of being a bit negative, but this season, but, uh, you know, when you see those timeouts being burned, oh, God. Yeah, let's not do that. Stuff, stuff like that can cost you, but it's the only right. point. So, um, all right. Well, you know, obviously this team has all of its goals in front of it. Reason for optimism with guys getting healthy. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to kind of keep a close eye on this. And you, it sounds like you're feeling like this is a Clemson team that will very much be there for a national championship contention. Obviously got to get through Notre Dame in the ACC title game. That's the most likely uh, matchup that we're, we're facing. Um, I'm not going to ask you to make like a natty prediction here, QT, but, you know, very much you think Clemson is like right up there in a contender this year still, right? Well, I, I mean, I would say this is actually the year in my mind that Clemson has been building towards, right? You have uh, first round, first overall uh, quarterback. You've got the... Uh, you know, ETN at running back, the best running back of all time. You have a, a defensive line that uh, is supposed to be restocked. You brought in the two top defensive players in the country last year. You're supposed to have depth at, you know, safety and linebacker and uh, cornerback. I mean, you're reloading some on defense, but like this was the year that all those recruiting classes kind of building towards um, – and, you know, when we destroyed Alabama two years ago, it felt like, you know, it was a little bit early, right? And then, and then last year, uh, well, you know, we didn't maybe have all the pieces in place. And then this year, everybody's coming back, at least that core nucleus of talent. Um, and then, you know, that would be the year that we've been building towards. So I do think, other than the offensive line, right, even though you have your best left tackle probably in Clemson history standing there um, in Jackson Carmen, um, this was the year that we've been building towards. So yeah, I, I do think Clemson should win a national championship. Like that should be expected right now with the talent that you have in place. Well, and I always think about like something that I think everyone's dismissed is the notion that Justin Ross was going to be on this team. And right. I am right there with you with kind of the, the cards lining up right for this to be the year lost to LSU. I even felt like last year might've been a, a little bit early for this offense to really really gel and and nail things down and once etn recommitted it mm -hmm. was like game on unfortunately you know jay ross is out uh he's definitely not playing this season right qt no 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 way yeah not not a chance yep and you know he's rehabbing um undergone surgery he's on campus you know he's been working out with the team and stuff that's great to see um i mean is your expectation that he would stay in school and come back for a season next year with the Tigers? I think the Mike Williams model is, is what everybody's kind of um, hoping for. Uh, he has that big doctor's appointment um, coming up. And um, if that goes well, uh, I think it, it's in December sometime. Uh, Dabo was talking about this, so I'm not just, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so if that goes well, I think then he has a decision to make whether he tries the NFL waters, right. To see if he has enough kind of, you know, money in the bank with his performances in that first year. Um, but I, I would expect that he's back next year to just 
kind of having a show you season. I'm completely healthy. It's not an issue the same way that Mike Williams did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way, prayers up that he has positive news coming out of December and, you know, he can make a, an informed choice at that point. Um, well, all right. So that's the 2020 team and a great, great team, great season so far. Obviously there's things to point out where we could be perceived as negative. Um, let's maybe take a look at the future QT and 2021 class is very much coming into view. National signing day is basically under a month away. And we talked a little bit about some of the depth on this team and some of the needs, but um, are there going to be any last minute surprises for you? Or do we feel like the 2021 class is pretty, pretty well filled out at this point? Well, the only remaining spots in the potential 2021 class are one more potential O-line take if it's a high enough level. Um, and, you know, our chances with Tristan Lay have dwindled. I mean, it's still, you know, we could still hit a Hail Mary kind of shot with him, but um, that is pretty much the only oversign candidate, right, for the, the offensive line. And then we're going to take uh, one more corner. Um, and okay. I hope that we still look for one more DB, but I don't think that happens um, now that the NCAA has put in this, you know, the, the rule about the uh, seniors and everybody having one year back of eligibility. Um, I, I yeah, that, think that Clemson's going to be super conservative. With oversigning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, super conservative with this class and, and also super conservative with the 2022 class. Um, and they'll, they'll have more of a wait and see approach. I mean, with the 2022 class, I don't think it's as big a deal right now, just because the, uh, dead period has been extended all the way through April. Um, and, and this is a good opportunity to kind of talk about how I think that's impacted recruiting initially, you know, when it was first over the summer, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal just because, uh, you know, Clemson has so much brand you know, power and, and kind of stock with recruits that uh, everybody would wait until this moment, you know, kind of later in the season to be able to take visits and things and that it wouldn't be that big a deal, but no visits all the way through uh, for the 2021 class. Um, I, you know, I think it hurt us a little bit with some of the people we were trying to close on or to keep, right. I mean, it, it, it didn't help us with our, um, pursuit of some of those top O-line uh, pieces, even though they did visit, um, most of them actually did visit early on. We, you know, we weren't able to have the summer, you know, cookout. We weren't able to have these kind of key meetings with the staff to continue to cultivate the relationship. I think it hurt with, with losing uh, our corner uh, Hancock to, uh, to Ohio state um, mm-hmm. that, that may not have happened, right? If, if they were able to have continual visits and to kind of build the culture of the class a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I think it has hurt us uh, and it may hurt us in the future with the 2022 class, just with being able to land some of the higher elite end talents and also convincing our coaching staff to kind of go all in on some of these um, talents that they haven't been able to cultivate the same kind of relationship with parents and with everybody, right. That they like to do so that nobody decommits and things like that. So it's a bit, um, you know, it's a bit of a new world, uh, in recruiting, but, um, 
if if visits in the summer are allowed, then the, you know it's a it's a reset for the 2022 class. But they're going to go slow with the 2022 class. Um, is basically what I'm saying uh, in a long-winded way. <laughs> How do you feel? Well, you know, the comment I wanted to make is like every program is in the same boat. I guess I'm wondering. We know so much of the Clemson recruiting approach predicates on the family atmosphere and environment. And a big part of that is getting guys onto campus and kind of so many players, you can take your pick, you know, once they landed on campus, that really sealed their decision that helped them make up their mind, kind of not having that. I guess I want to pivot that into a question. Number one, do you feel like, like which programs out there are more able to navigate the non-campus environment and their approach? Like who do you think is best positioned for that? And then I also wanted to ask you from a Clemson standpoint, how well have you heard, how well do you think this coaching staff is doing at its remote game, like a Zoom recruiting game? Yeah, um, I think uh, the programs who already were able to, uh, how should I say this in a way to, that were able to embrace the gray areas of recruiting and have no problem with, uh, flouting some of the NCAA guidelines, had no mm. problems uh, doing things like getting a bunch of recruits together, not on campus, but at a recruit or at a, a player's uh, house off campus or something like that, where they were having a gathering um, that mm. was unofficial, right? Like, I mean, a lot of programs have done stuff like that. And Clemson just doesn't play those games. And, you know, more power to them for for not playing those games because, you know, it's pretty slimy, um, I think, personally. Um, but yeah, like, you know, um, there, there's plenty of programs that love the gray, embrace the gray, uh, that haven't slowed down really uh, with recruiting. Uh, but it's impacted everybody. Like, I, you know, I think that's important to realize that it's not, you know, just Clemson that's kind of been oh, yeah. hurt. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the big way that Clemson is impacted is not being able to have their camps um, because the Dabo Sweeney camp is, it's like, it's more than just uh, a, a camp. It's like, it's an experience, right? It's like a, uh, it's a bigger deal than people realize uh, in recruiting. Um, and, uh, you know, other programs have kind of done these like showcase things, right? But like, Dabo sells his program and culture through these camps and recruits come back year after year and they, they recognize and they're able to see that uh, what Dabo is as a person is different than these other programs. Like that, that becomes abundantly clear to recruits and families who have kind of been cultivated through the Dabo Sweeney program. So, so if they can't have another camp season series uh, that I think does start to hurt them for future classes and things. I say that though, but like Clemson now is a brand, right? Like it, it doesn't hurt Clemson as much as it probably hurt Clemson if this was the Clemson of three years ago, right? Um, mm -hmm. So uh, it, 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 it hurts also with the way that the coaching staff likes to interact with the players and evaluate them and get them, you know, their hands on them, right? And, and really... Um, you know, see how they react to tough coaching, stuff like that, that, um, that they really pride their, themselves on in terms of their evaluations as well. So those take a hit with the whole Zoom recruiting kind of deal. 
I mean, yeah. Dabo, I think, is still a great recruiter over Zoom, over anywhere, right? Um, so, you know, it's not it's not bad. Um, it's just not maybe the same or uh, exactly the way that Clemson likes to sell Clemson family uh, the way that it has. And I'll stop there. <laughs> Who do you think are going to be the household names in this recruiting class? I think, you know, a good amount of our listeners follow it pretty closely, but uh, there's been so much else going on this year. I think, you know, I, I myself um, feel a little bit disconnected from who's been signing at what stage. Um, I think just early signing days caused guys to grab their spot with Clemson a little bit earlier on than normally we'd see. Like we didn't have a ton of signings happen over the summer uh, this year. And some of that could be, we didn't have the all in cookout. We didn't have the Dabo Sweeney camp where some of those things do go down. So um, yeah, maybe just who are the like two to three top names that you feel like are um, you're most excited for coming on, coming on and joining the team. So the loss of DeMarcus Bowman means that there's an opportunity once ETN leaves for a running back to come in and get, you know, a significant amount of uh, playing time um, because we'll see, you know, who of Dixon and Malusi kind of becomes the next man up, but there, there is definitely an opportunity there. So I'm interested to see Will Shipley on the borderline, on the cusp of five-star status. Um, I, you know, I think he might get there. Um, the 24-7 has him as a, 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 a five-star right now. So uh, Will Shipley, definitely one to watch um, at running back. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously we need to start stacking quality offensive line classes on top of each other. So Marcus Tate is someone who I think is still underrated. Um, most program or most recruiting services have him around a hundred ish. Um, and I, you know, I think that that may be right. It'll be interesting to see where he ultimately ends up. Is he a, a guard? He's, you know, six foot four and over 300 pounds already. Um, but he could potentially pay, play tackle as well. I mean, it's kind of like a Jordan McFadden uh, body. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I'm interested to see. We got Tate, we got uh, Ryan Linthicum, uh, and we have uh, uh, Dietrich uh, Pennington, who I'm really happy that we got into the class because uh, he's kind of a bit, you know, under the radar, um, but was someone that we evaluated early and really liked and was hoping that we could find room for him in the class. And, you know, when it seemed like we weren't getting some of these top names um, at offensive tackle, we took him and I mean, he's a great pickup, absolutely great pickup. And at six foot five, over 300 pounds um, length. Um, yeah. Strength size, like he has the ability to be a high end um, tackle with a little bit of development and time. So I'm really excited about uh, the offensive line class. I would have liked one more offensive lineman in the class, just because I always want one more offensive lineman in the class, uh, especially a tackle. Uh, if Jackson Carmen goes to the NFL, which I, you know, still kind of my expectation that that will happen. Um, it leaves us uh, with a lot of shoes to fill there, big shoes to fill at, at offensive line. So, I mean, on, on defense, um, Jeremiah Trotter and uh, Barrett Carter are two of the top line. Like those are the linebackers we wanted um, out of anybody in the country. So we got who we wanted. Uh, and Trotter is going to be the next inside linebacker. And Carter is the next either uh, uh, 
you know, he, it, Carter is potentially either a Mike Jones or could play the, the role of a Spectre. Um, he has that athleticism. Um, and, you know, he comes from North Gwinnett. So in Georgia, quality program, great coaching. So I, I, I'm really excited about, about those two. Um, yeah, those, those would be the guys that right now kind of stand out to me. Um, I think, too, uh, somebody that maybe that's underrated in the class that we haven't talked enough about is Andrew uh, Makuba from Texas, who we landed. Yeah. I mean, that's the last guy. He's our only safety take. Again, this year, we go into Texas and grab somebody, and it's going to be really important that he pans out. And I think, you know, he's only a three-star from some services or whatever, but by the end of the recruiting uh, year, he'll be a four-star from everybody. And, um, and he's someone that I'm excited to see get in to the program and, and progress. Yeah, rare Texan for Clemson. It's good to see. Yeah. Yes. Real quick, a uh, little side anecdote. I joined the Philadelphia alumni group uh, twice this season to kind of preview some games. And Jeremiah Trotter Sr. was a linebacker for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Gave the nickname the Axeman. And they asked that we would give Jeremiah Trotter Jr. the nickname of the Hatchet. Kind of like the Junior Axeman. So I don't know. I think let's hope it sticks. We'll see. But I like feel free it. to feel free to carry that one forward if you want. The hatchet. Yes. Yes. Um, Jeremiah Trotter is also from a great program there in St. Joe's, uh, St. Joseph's. Uh, and he I mean, we got on him early. There wasn't the fanfare for his recruitment. He got it out of the way, um, committed to Clemson. But, um, you know, yeah, he's knocking on. He's knocking on the door of a five-star status too. I I think they may like if they had the uh, all-star games and everything. I think you know he goes into those camps and really shows out. So that's a great linebacker class. So if we're worried about the athleticism of our linebackers, I think there's help on the way um, in terms of elevating that position to where yeah. you know we, we haven't had those kinds of level of recruits. Yeah, and I, I'm going to maybe throw out two painful names for Clemson fans, but, you know, you mentioned, I think what what Clemson's been able to do with the linebacking core makes you feel like um, losing the kid to Oregon last year, you know, may not be a lasting pain point. And um, I guess I wanted to ask you also about Corey Foreman for this year. Um, I know, you know, Kay Denoff and Zaire Patterson. Uh, Zaire Patterson's not, he's not in the same breath as Corey Foreman, of course, but um you know, we're not really going to see that top five, top two, top three national recruit in this class for Clemson this year. But um, how do you feel like the coaching staff is kind of bounced back from Foreman? So, I mean, uh, the early reports of Zaire Patterson are that he's put on a uh, really good weight. He's up to about 245, 250 or something like that. Um, and he has, I mean, he's six foot six legit like six foot six so he has the length and the athleticism still with his 250 pounds so that arrow is pointing up in terms of uh potential development and kind of rising in um you know recruiting rankings whatever um but his potential i think is higher than people maybe uh had envisioned for him um and kate denoff i think is a uh you know he's a solid top 100-ish uh, player who's going to come in and and that's what we need is to build 
some more depth at defensive end to help push the position, I think. So he's, I mean, that, that's another excellent pickup. Yeah, so we don't have Foreman. Um, we probably wanted, you know, the flash of somebody. I, you know, I think Dallas Turner and Alabama commitment, that's the guy that I was kind of like, ooh, I really would like him, but we had Foreman. But, um, but I, you know, I think there's, like there's no reason to not like Kay Denoff and Zaire Patterson, especially with his progress uh, progression uh, in the off season. Yeah. And what, what this coaching staff can also do to develop guys into stars um, that may not have necessarily had that high, high top 10 pedigree. Yeah. And I mean, the other uh, defensive line commit was uh, Peyton page who just gives you a different kind of body uh, that can be an anchor nose tackle that we really don't have on the roster right now. So that's an important pickup as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, I guess, you know, room is always going to be the question. And uh, with the, what are you hearing about this? You know, seniors can come back with a year of eligibility. Are they going to touch the scholarship limits at all? Do you expect, or how do you, how do you see Clemson playing that? Like, do you feel like, um, they will ask guys to not come back. Like, how do you see that playing out? Um, do you, do you know Davo Sweeney? No. Uh, yeah, no. That we I are not, we, <laughs> we are not going to ask guys to you know leave if they are uh, putting in the work or if they're you know contributing in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't think anyone knows the the real answer to that question. I think it's going to be a wait and see approach and that we will keep spots open for folks. I I mean, Clemson could have 25 commits in this class, like, you know, snapping their fingers, except for the cornerback position, um, or could have had 25. Let me say that uh, very easily. And, and with the 2022 class, they could fill it up really quickly. Uh, So I, you know, on the one hand, I, I agree with the approach that they, they should, uh, go slow here. It, it, there's no reason to jump in the, into the 2022 class um, w- without being methodical. Like, I think that's what, what Dabo wants to do with these classes is, is be smart about it, be methodical about it. Like don't overcommit. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad strategy. It's, you know, it's not what I would want to do. Right. Cause I, I always want more players and, you know, better load up roster, uh, so I think that they will let, uh, the players choices in some respects dictate what happens. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're you know, they, they're not going to let some, a, a walk on stick around for a fifth and sixth year who got given a scholarship. Right. I mean, that, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but somebody like, uh, let's say who, who might be on the bubble, right? Like, like Cornell Powell, for example, like if Cornell Powell wanted to come back for another year, I think that they would let him, right? Like there, Turner. Yeah. Turner. Um, I mean, Justin Foster is going to definitely come back for another year. Xavier Thomas comes back for another year. Um, you know, somebody like Cade Stewart, um, I, that that's going to be an interesting question, right? Like, all right, move on. Or, or, uh, or chalk JC chalk. Mm, um, right. That will, uh, and, and I don't see Dabo saying to those guys like, no, you can't stay for another year. Right. Um, and that's going to be an individual choice that I think um, those players are allowed to make. And, and on some level, it's like they've kind of earned that right to, to make that choice investing in the program. Um, 
So it's kind of the ultimate put your money where your mouth is for Clemson mm -hmm. from a familial aspect too. Like, you know, the year where things changed, Clemson kind of stood by its team and who'd become its family. Um, that may, that may carry weight with recruits down the line. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, recruits are, that are coming up don't really have like the big picture often, but um, yeah. But I, you know, I do think that it's a selling point for sure that you can use uh, to try to push that. So uh, I, yeah, there's no quick answer here for any of those players. I think for Dabo, I think he's, I mean, I don't want to speak for Dabo. That's uh, shaky ground and can get me in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We won't <laughs> ask probably, you to do that. I've already gotten myself into a lot of trouble probably with some of the things I've said tonight, but um, uh, yeah, I think it's going to go slow, very slow, yeah, that's very fair. slow. I want to wrap up with kind of three fun topics, not directly related to Clemson. Um, we can go rapid fire, I guess, if you want. Um, number one is just like across the non-Clemson programs that have been at the, at the top of the sport. Is there anything that you're hearing, seeing, or any, any of your own assessment of kind of how this season has gone that makes you think like any of the current top three to five programs are, are going to slide at all. And maybe I'll, I'll prime you with what are, what are your thoughts on Georgia and the state of their program at the moment? Well, I think the university of South Carolina is just primed for greatness. Now, you know, they just look so good right now. That was uh, going to be my second topic here. Oh, can, I yeah. just blew it. I just blew it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a shame that we can't destroy them this year. It really uh, is. Yeah. It's not fair. That's not fair. Well, I'm just um, bummed the, 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 not only the streak of consecutive Clemson wins, but the streak of having played together is going to end mm -hmm. when Wisconsin and Minnesota get to continue theirs. It's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, that is actually, uh, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. I tell you, uh, I think Georgia, the Georgia faithful get restless especially when Clemson wins uh, very quickly and um, their loyalty is fickle uh, and they will turn on uh, their, that coaching staff very quickly. Um, they have so Me. much talent on that team. It's ridiculous that they don't have a good quarterback. <laughs> it's almost I kind mean, of like, it's comical. I mean, it's just the, uh, he's serves he's got right. the same record as Mark Rex through this point of his tenure and it's got about the same to show for it as Rick did. Um, I mean, it to his, in his defense, they have gotten so close to, I mean, they were one play away, right. From they were literally one play away from being able to uh, beat Bama and, you know, and they've given them some good games and yada, 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 yada. I don't want to give the dogs any, credit. you know, we were just a couple plays away too back right. in the Bowden era. Yeah, oh, that. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. We were, <laughs> uh, yeah. We were like 20 plays away in the Bowden era, if we're right. being honest. Oh, right? yeah. From we're a national right. championship. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, I think Kirby is ridiculous in the amount of talent he can squander and waste away on a team without a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, but it doesn't seem like the talent train is slowing down at all there. Um, no, no, they're recruiting at such a high level. I mean, LSU yeah. is uh, should should implode. Um, they they should. I, I can't believe that no one's making a bigger deal of this uh, 
absolutely disgusting sex scandal um, going on there. And I mean, Coach O has had no control over that program for many years now. Um, Folks don't really remember that it was middling program before Brady steps in that door and kind of changes everything. So eh, um, I think that 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 program is uh, still got a lot of talent, but is going to nosedive pretty soon. Uh, Penn State, same thing, nosedive. Ohio State looks great and is positioned well for the future. Um, who else do we got? Uh, Alabama has not been able to recruit and retain as much talent as in the past. So there's chinks in the armor there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that they have a Najee Harris that's walking through that door. And we'll see what happens with Sarkeesian. I, I mean, I've been surprised at how well he has done as offensive coordinator. Um, they've taken a step back defensively now consecutive years, and I'm not sure they get back to the like suffocating Alabama defense before. Yeah. Saban. So if you see Sark, I mean, if South Carolina hires Sark or he goes to some other program, let's say Auburn uh, mm-hmm. moves on and hires Sark, would not be something taking yeah, Bama's be. OC. That'd be that'd be delicious. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how many how many more times is Nick Saban going to climb that hill? Or yeah, escape, uh, you know, the coordinator turnover. Who else is there? There's Florida. And, you know, I think Dan Mullen is a great coach, but he's not a great recruiter, actually. Um, or or really, like, program builder into, like, championship caliber. I mean, they've done better than I – maybe I'm giving them credit for. Um, but, I, you know, he's not the best of recruiters. So uh, we'll see what happens to them kind of down the road. Um, yeah, and, they have got potential just because he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. And where are you on kind of Notre Dame's upswing? Um, they, uh, you know, their their recruiting has never been like super elite uh, in the past like five years, um, but they do well with the talent that they do get. Like for example, Clemson was in on Kyle Hamilton earlier. Mm-hmm than almost any program and Notre Dame was able to sweep in and, and take him. He would have um, been a nice, a nice get with Simmons moving on. Would yeah, have been just a seamless, seamless dovetail. Um, we, we seem to, the safety position uh, seems to be where we have struggled the most with like near misses of really elite talent. Uh, so yeah, I, like I think Notre Dame does a good job of recruiting nationally and bringing in some good players. Um, that maybe aren't as uh, highly rated by recruiting services, but they, they do a good job of bringing them in and, and um, developing that talent. Like they got some kids from uh, Hawaii, for example, that actually are, I think will pan out to be really good uh, elite players yeah. for them in the future. But they don't, I mean, I, they have done a good job of recruiting offensive linemen. They don't have the skill that other programs have, even though they're running back to just, you know, take it to the house on us. But so I, I don't think that they are returning to elite position. Um, and again, like, I, I'm not sure that Notre Dame, the Notre Dame team that we played is like all that elite uh, yeah. this year either. Um, and that just might mean that there's like a couple elite teams this year and everybody else is, uh you know, middle Flawed. of the pack. Yeah. 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 Well, they will not have Will Shipley uh, suiting up in the future. Right. Exactly. We beat, we, I mean, we beat Notre Dame routinely for guys. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Sure. Well, uh, 
let's maybe pivot very quickly to South Carolina that we can end on more of a Clemson focused Q and a here, but um, South Carolina, like what, apparently their president's getting involved. Um, would you have fired Will Muschamp QT or would you have just like hung on through this season, licked your wounds? You know, it's a bad year to be firing anybody from a revenue standpoint. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have like, if, if I get to set the parameters, I would not have given him that large of a, you know, buyout or whatever, um, with that contract. So, um, I would not have like left myself in that kind of position with his middling, uh, record. I, yeah, I, I mean, financially, I would have probably just bit the bullet and let him stay. Cause like, what, are you going to really hire Bobo? Like, who are you hiring right now? Um, to get a head start in a pandemic, you know, COVID era. Like, I don't really get the logic behind paying him 13 million or whatever um, to go in, in a yeah. severance package while you're, I mean, you just paid a million bucks for a stupid statue of a chicken that uh, is a really, looks like a really bad financial decision right now uh, on top of 13 million to have somebody not coach you. And you're going to, you know, bring somebody in for three, four million a year. Like, are you really going to be able to do that? Um, so I would have bit the bullet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and fired him after the season, probably. I mean, right. I'm not sure what that would have saved them in terms of the buyout being reduced by making yeah. it to a certain milestone, but um, I don't think it does anything to salvage this recruiting class, I guess is kind of the point you're making unless yeah, they and promote it, Bobo. It, Right. It was not good to begin with. Um, yeah. So there you go. I guess, is there a name out there that you've heard associated with that job yet? I know it's pretty early. It's a fresh wound um, that as a Clemson fan, and look, like they're not going to be able to hire someone that really scares us, but that would make you pause and say like, okay, this is, this could get interesting. Is there anyone? Well, I've heard that they're looking at this guy named Urban Meyer who they definitely have the inside track on hiring. No, um, I think that uh, a really good hire for them would be Billy Napier. He knows recruiting, he knows South Carolina. Like I don't want them to hire Billy Napier because I think that Napier is a good program builder, knows what he's doing, um, communicates well, uh, and would understand what it takes, you know, being at Alabama and, and uh, knowing what happened to Clemson and everything, like knowing what it, it takes to develop a program uh, and build a program from the ground up. Uh, and he has quality head coaching experience. So I, I would not be happy if they hired Napier. Um, I, I hope that they go with Bobo. That would be hilarious uh, and a disaster. So that's what I want is more dumpster fire. My uh, top pick is Dave Doran. Hmm. Interesting. That would be, that would be an interesting, why do you say that? I, you know, just let's bring him a lot closer. Let's bring him squarely into the rivalry, <laughs> squarely into the hot seat for the Clemson fan hate. It's time. Oh boy. that would be, I don't see any, there's no, yeah, there's no reason to go and hire Dave Doran, but um, nor do I know if he's available. He kind of missed his boat, his, his window at the SEC, I think. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully he stays at NC state forever. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I think Bobo, Bobo. Yeah. Let, let him say it. NC state forever. Bobo's the, the hire that I think should make every Clemson fan happy. Um, I'm not sure if any of the other names, like I don't, 
I really don't think they're going to be in the running for any of the, the darling hires out there like Matt Campbell or even, even Halfley up at BC. Yeah, I don't no think way. he jumps. Yeah. He why would he go to, one. oh, go. Yeah. 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 So they're not going to be in the running for those. Even Joe Brady. Um, why, yeah. Yeah. No way. Why like, would why would, that? why would he, he's going to get an NFL job, you know, mm-hmm. soon, probably. So yeah. I like, uh, I, I like, I don't understand the, uh, Delusion. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, half the names on these lists are just ridiculous. Tony Elliott's not going there. Brent Venables isn't going there. If they grab Steve Sarkeesian, that would be a great hire. Um, they could try to go after uh, the Coastal Carolina head coach, Chadwell. I mean, that, that would make a lot of sense. There's the relationship with um, Monken, right, from Army uh, with the, the president. Uh, and then... You know, the hot, be fun. yeah, the, I mean, <laughs> the hot name is Hugh Freeze for everybody. Right. But he's got mm. so much baggage to get back into the SEC would be. Uh, he just signed I, last week in an extension. Right. Liberty. So like, and, yeah. And then who else do you have on that wish list? Like, I don't, I don't even know who else is on there. That's really like reasonable or feasible. So I, I, yeah. I think personally what's going to happen is they're going to, um, embarrass themselves like they always do and continue to like just go down and down further uh, down this this list and the uh, South Carolina faithful will get more and more depressed and I will yeah, enjoy like they may, all of their tears they may hire Bobo but he may that may be after they swing and miss at like three other guys for sure uh, yeah I, I imagine that they're gonna find out that their market um, for that that job and that program is not where they think it is in their minds. Right. Um, yeah. And, and they crash and burn. That's what I think happens. Well, five years ago, they, they were the first program to have an opening when uh, Spurrier quit and mm. they didn't, they leveraged that into their third or fourth choice for head coach. I'm forgetting the names that they were going after. Um, at that yeah, point, I don't remember Fuente. I think they were trying to get Fuente oh, mm, interesting. Um, when he went to Vatek. I mean, look, that guy could be out of a job soon. He's had a tough go. Yeah, that 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 is one of the most interesting uh, coaching jobs right now. It, they Virginia Tech seems like both competent and a, a complete disaster, um, all in the same season. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just yeah, don't we'll, beat Clemson. Please don't beat Clemson. I don't think they have the defense for it, truly. I think we will. It, that could be a high-scoring affair, but I don't I don't foresee a loss in that one. We'll see. Stranger things have happened. Um, all right, QC, last topic. We'll let you go for the night. Uh, Heisman race. Oh, boy. TL out of that thing. Any chance he comes in and reminds uh... people who the king is? Well, I think ETN's fumble touchdowns have pushed him out of the running. So, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Ugh, that's you know depressing. I think Trevor Lawrence has a chance, definitely. Um, who is the competition right now? I think Justin uh, Fields has a ridiculous amount of touchdowns for having played three games. He has eleven yes. touchdowns. Uh, I think Ryan Day will continue to juice up those stats because they're going to need all the style points they can get for playoff positioning. 
in case they don't get enough games. Um, and then I guess you've got Mac Jones. I mean, yeah. in my mind, like the legit kid who should be in everyone's commentary is uh, Zach Wilson at BYU. <laughs> super legit, but, but it's BYU. He's not going to win the Heisman, but he's super fun to watch. No, he is. He is fun to watch. I've watched some. BYU I guess Trask. Games. So Kyle Trask has has Joe Burrow asked numbers oh, by man. this point of the yeah. year. So like the deal with Kyle Trask to me is like he almost threw an interception to lose that game. Uh, who are they playing? Like he he almost threw the, like the easiest pick six ever in the most crucial moment of the game. I. I I'm not convinced that Kyle Trask is like, I think Pitts is like the, the really quality player there, the tight end yeah. for Florida. Um, who's the elite talent on that team. I mean, maybe Najee Harris, right. Who on for Bama is in the conversation too, but it's like, to me, it's like, you got this body of work with Trevor Lawrence, right? He's got money in the bank. Um, Pelts on and, the wall. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I so I can see Justin Fields being the guy. Um, but how many interceptions does Trevor have right now? One? Two? Yes, how two, many? Two. Two? two. Right. Yeah. Just two. So he's, you know, he's played really well. If he comes in and he lights the world on fire and then he gets the ACC championship game as his Heisman game, then I think he can win it still. So. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be other, just. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I was I was just gonna say I think it's gonna be Fields is just going to continue to pour it on, and it's gonna be a matter of like is Trevor Lawrence's just brilliance and excellence gonna shine here? Um, we know Fields is gonna rack up the stats, but um, yeah, is it just yeah? The, is the, does the body of work factor into? I think mean, that's a good question. The monkey wrench for me is how does COVID play into this equation, right? Like, is it possible that Ohio State just doesn't play enough games for Justin Fields to be able to merit the Heisman um, and that voters go back to Trevor Lawrence at the end of the day and say, all right, you know, he's got this entire body of work. He's won the national championship. He beat Justin Fields last year in the, you know, in the same game. Let's give it to Trevor. Like, I think that's a persuasive argument, especially if Clemson, and this is where I think Clemson fans and Clemson, you know, the, should lobby, uh, especially with, you know, not giving Deshaun Watson the, the Heisman, right? Not giving it to Trevor in his first year at all, even though at the end of the year, he was clearly the best player in college football. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a, a good argument to be made for it's time for Clemson to finally have its Heisman winner. Which happened with Alabama with Mark Ingram instead of Indomitian Sue mm -hmm. uh, 11 years ago, I believe um very good all right well yeah that'll be interesting i think the heisman's going to be awarded after the championship round right around the playoff time too i think like they should just the wait until game. after the playoffs like why did i uh, whatever yeah i, I think they should permanently move it post playoff yeah. um i think the risk at doing that is then it's going to just be who has the best playoff game that's that's gonna decide it and look okay like i'm cool with that yeah. um it's it's a ridiculous award anyway right and if that favors clemson so i'm totally fine with it exactly <laughs> <laughs> um cool well uh qt i can't thank you enough for coming on anything else you wanted to touch on anything else that's top of mind for you in college football no i think that i, I we've, we've we've done it all
We've done it all. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you once more. Um, tell the folks where they can find you. Oh, I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> I guess on Twitter, right? Yeah, at Twitter Quacking at Quacking Tiger. Tiger. At Quacking Shaking Tiger. the Southland, still writing, still getting it out there. Excellent. Um, yes. And we'll uh, be looking forward to the recruiting nuggets as we get closer to signing day. And yeah, it's um, been slow. obviously, <laughs> yeah, it has been slow. Uh, it's that kind of that time of year that that's the state of the the number of takes we can get. But um, anyway, we really appreciate you coming on. It's always fun to have you and get your perspective here. So thank you for that. Um, for our listeners coming back for the podcast, we will be back to recap the FSU game early on next week. Take a look ahead to Pitt. Um, man, Pitt is always scary. Let's hope they're, they're going to have a really solid defensive line. So that's going to be an interesting game within the game. But um, yeah, you know, FSU should be a nice bounce back game for Clemson. Hopefully we see some new looks um, throughout the team, get some guys back healthy, keep some guys healthy and uh, enjoy this one down in Tallahassee. But um, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch up with y'all next time. And as always, go Tigers.